Hello and welcome to a podcast from Sadie Records, one in a series of podcasts we do to talk about the new releases on Sadie. I'm Steve Robinson and this program will feature a discussion and selections from a new album from Gaudete Brass featuring the music of John Carigliano. It's called 7-5, the John Carigliano Effect. We'll talk about why it's called 7-5 in a moment, but I'm here to welcome uh, two members of the quintet. Scott Teggy Tuba and Paul von Hoff Trombone. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. First of all, I love the concept of this album. It's a tribute to John Carigliano on his 75th birthday, which is why it's called 75. Uh, but it isn't just the music of Carigliano, it's John and some of his students. Who came up with that concept? It's beautiful. So a couple years ago, John was celebrating his 75th birthday, and a couple organizations in Chicago decided to collaborate and to bring John to Chicago for a week of concerts to celebrate him as a musician, a composer. And so we were asked to be a part of this project, which for us was really exciting, just as our recognition is growing and we're trying to do more exciting projects here in Chicago. And of course, we said, yes, we'd like to be a part of this. However, John's never written a brass quintet. Maybe details, problems. Details. Yeah, yeah. Those are, you know, we'll just commission a full program of works by John. You know, he can do that. And that's not, that's really affordable. We started to scheme of what might be possible, and we knew that John had these two double brass quintet pieces, antiphons and fanfares to music, and so we're like, great, okay, we have that. And then we thought about John, and who is John? He's a composer, a great musician, but he's also a great teacher, and he has this legacy of students that he's taught and inspired over the years. What better way to honor someone by one, playing their music, but by also commissioning all of these students, his former students that he's had from his time at Juilliard and other places, to write pieces in his honor. This is like a salute to John. Thank you for being such a great composer, and thank you for being such an inspiring teacher and mentor to these younger students. Now, we want to dig into the album in a moment and talk about the music on it and the composers, but first let's talk a bit about you guys, Gaudete Brass. Where were you formed? And I know it was 2004, so it's been, yeah, it's been around a while. Yes. Scott and I had a friend uh, named Justin who played trumpet. Justin got a phone call from a very small concert series in Milwaukee, and they said, we had a cancellation. We'd like you to bring your quintet in. Justin said, great. Yes, I'll, I'll call him up, and it'll be no problem, and hung up the phone and realized that he has to get a brass quintet together because <laughs> he did not have one at the time. So as one does, he called friends. Scott and I knew each other a little bit. I mean, we knew Justin, of course, but we didn't know the other two members. But we got together, we rehearsed, and we enjoyed playing together. As brass players, that's not always a foregone conclusion in chamber music. Sometimes there's not a good personal fit, but in this case it was. We enjoyed our experience, and we said, well, let's see how far this goes. We were very young professional musicians at the time and looking for opportunities to be able to use the things we had learned and were just in the practice room at that point and said, well, we've got to get out of the practice room and this could be a great vehicle for it. Is the quintet the same as it was in 2004? Have it, you had it is any not. Personnel changes? We've had personnel changes like every ensemble does. Scott and I are the two remaining original members. As we were saying, you're the lower yes, part of the Yes, yes, trombone and tuba. The, always, the rest can come and go, but... Uh, yeah. Well, Trump, not, trumpet players are like sprinkles on a cake. It's just merely decoration. <laughs> Bill has played with us for a really long time, too, one of the trumpet players. He's been, for the vast majority of the time that we've been together as a quintet, Bill has been part of this as well. But it's Scott and I have played together so much, it's almost eerie how much we can read each other's minds once we have our instruments in our hands. We're very different people outside of that, but we play together really well. Well, in the past 13 years, you've played all over the country and overseas, I'm sure. 
We actually have not yet played out of the country, but we just got an email to go to China for a couple of weeks of concerts in 2018. So we're looking to see if that might be possible and it would be great to bring this music to that community. So let's get back a bit to this album and let's dig into it a little bit. You said that John had never written a brass quintet, so you commissioned one, and it's on this album? Not from John. I tried. I tried really hard. Many phone calls to John begging for him to write a brass quintet, but he said, no, Scott, but keep asking. He actually had, in uh, the late 70s, had done two double brass quintets, but they'd never been recorded. How is this possible? His music is so played and recorded It was a really great opportunity, one, to play those pieces, but then also thinking long-term and what would be such a cool thank you card to John and the idea of an album to be able to put these down on tape for him to have that. So both of the compositions by John are first releases on this album, first recordings. Yes. And they're both uh, double quintets. Yep. In fact, every... Jim Ginsberg, the president of Sadie Records. Welcome, Jim. Good to be here. In fact, every piece on this album, except for the very short opening piece, is a premiere on recording, if you count the arrangement of Corleano's uh, gazebo, gazebo dances. Yeah. Should we jump into one of those two pieces? I kind of feel like it would be great to start with the piece called Entrance by David Sampson. We use this piece on our concerts two ways. It actually has a cool title. It's Entrance or Exit. I guess depending on where you put it on your program, you can't start a concert with a piece called Exit or have an encore be a piece called Entrance. But it's sort of a way to introduce the quintet. We all have a little moment to shine in the piece, and it's a short little, hey, we are Gaudete Brass. We love playing great music. And this is actually the only piece on the album that's not a world premiere. It was originally written for the American Brass yes. Quintet. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So this is music by David Sampson. Just a quick word about Sampson, born in 1951. He's the oldest of the Corleano students on the album before Corleano was at Juilliard. David Sampson's written a whole lot for the Brass Quintet, and he would be one of the composers that's really taken the medium into the realm of legitimate chamber music. And any list of top five brass quintets by anyone in in the industry would probably have his name in there. This is one of his shorter works, but I feel it really shows what the quintet is capable of in even in a small format. Well, let's hear Entrance by David Sampson, and this gives me an opportunity to tell all the listeners who the heck is in the quintet. Bill Backstresser, trumpet. Ryan Barron, trumpet. Julia Filson, horn. Paul Von Hoff, trombone, who's with us today. And Scott Teggy, tuba. This is Entrance by David Sampson. Thank you. 
That was Entrance by David Sampson, performed for us by the Gaudate Brass Quintet from a new album on CD called 7-5, the John Curigliano Effect, and this is a tribute to John Curigliano on his 75th birthday, hence the title 7-5. We're picking selections on this podcast in the order that you hear the pieces on the album, and this is CD number 169, and we're talking with two members of the Gaudate Quintet, Scott Teggy and Paul von Hoff. So this album is a tribute to Curigliano, and you're paying tribute by playing music by him, but also his students. How did you pick those students? A couple of them we have personal contacts to. So one of the next pieces you're going to hear is by a gentleman named Jonathan Newman. And Jonathan was the composer in residence at the Chicago Youth Symphony here in Chicago. And so I got to meet him through that. And we just started talking about things. And so when this project came up, it really made sense to ask him to write a brass quintet. And since then, he's been such a great friend of the quintet. He actually had us down to Shenandoah University where he teaches for a composition residency this past fall. And so to be able to play his piece, kind of as we went through the list, Stephen Bryan is a really well-known composer, especially in the band realm right now and a friend of Jonathan's. And so that was an easy connection. David Sampson's been a longtime friend of the quintet. You can actually hear on our first album on Sadie Chicago Moves, there's a large work by David that we commissioned on that album. And the last two, Jeremy Howard Beck and Conrad Winslow, I actually called John and I asked John, because the other composers are a little bit more established in their career, like mid-career, we wanted to have two younger composers, like fresh out of Juilliard, who are doing creative things. And so he had recommended uh, Conrad Winslow and Jeremy Howard Beck. And so for us to make new connections and new friends and to give them an opportunity to salute their teacher and to help give them a career, and they both have gone on since to do such wonderful things. So this is a selection from a work called Prayers of Steel by Jonathan Newman, who is in his mid-40s. And you commissioned this. Yes. Yep. This piece is entitled Prayers of Steel, and we're going to hear one movement foxtrot, but Paul, Prayers of Steel. It's an unusual title. Tell us about it. Jonathan took the inspiration from the Carl Sandburg Chicago Poems Collection. And one of those poems is called Prayers of Steel, which speaks about the idea of steel almost crying out to be made into the skyscrapers that will build our wonderful city. It's a really cool piece. That's the third movement, so you'll have to buy the disc to to hear that because it's amazing. Jonathan was imagining Carl Sandburg's era Chicago and he had set a poem for the first movement and he set poems for the third and fourth. But for the second movement, he wanted something that would be a little bit more impressionistic of what the city would have been like. And so this foxtrot is, if you can imagine yourself walking down a somewhat maybe foggy, late fall evening in Chicago and in the 20s, and you're hearing dance club music being poured out into this street. And so the combination of solitude and then raucous party going on plays back and forth as you listen to this piece. And so you're going to hear something that at times feels like we're listening to a traditional jazz band, and at other times is a little bit more atmospheric. And there's a lot of muted playing in the movement, and it really feels at times like the music is coming at you from far away, like you're in the street when it's coming from a saloon down the block. Yeah, it's a great point, because Newman had us use solo tone mutes and the trumpets that are a mute that's rarely used today, but it was a very popular mute from the 20s, and so that's very evocative of that time. And it gives that distance effect. If you've never seen a solo tone mute, think about a megaphone, and then stick another megaphone in it, and then stick that in a trumpet bell. It's an odd description, but that's what the mute looks like. Let's hear it. This is the second movement from Prayers of Steel by Jonathan Newman, performed for us by Gaudate Brass. (laughs) 
That was Foxtrot, the second movement of a composition by Jonathan Newman called Prayers of Steel, performed for us by Gaudete Brass on a new Sadie Records album called 7-5, the John Curigliano Effect. And it was quite a lively number. The mutes and the effects of it were quite something. We're talking with two members of the quintet, Scott Teggy and Paul Von Hoff Trombone. But we also have with us Bill Malone, who is the engineer for the session, and Bill... You recorded this in Illinois at Wens Hall in... Naperville at North Central College. It's one of our favorite places to record. It's a really nice hall. It's large, but it has acoustics that can be tuned to suit the mood. So you recorded this at the end of uh, 2014, over three days? Right. And then last year in May? Why does it take so long? These are short pieces. Can't they just play it and, you know, that's it? Well... That's usually the way we do it, but this time it uh, didn't quite work out that way. And we had a couple of pieces that had extra players, and they were kind of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I think also, though, you know, for a brass player and recording an album, there's only so many hours in the day that we have usable chops. And so there's like a diminishing return. You know, you get to the afternoon session, and you're like, okay, where's that next cup of coffee? So as we move forward to kind of get through it, it was a really great process. So great to work with Bill and the producer, Judy Sherman, is incredible. And so fortunate to be able to record in a wonderful hall like Wentz. We're going to move on and hear 
which you might call the title cut from the album, called 7-5 by Stephen Bryant. Tell us a bit about Stephen and this piece. When Stephen started writing the piece, our horn player, Julia, was working with him in Music Now, and he had written some music for that organization, and she was playing, and she went up to him, perhaps a moment of either inspiration or poor judgment, and asked, I want a really hard horn part. Give me the hardest horn part you can possibly, possibly write. He said, okay. And so he wrote what is a very acrobatic part for the horn where she has to open and stop and unstop her horn in a very rapid fashion that creates a rhythmic pad that sets up the piece. It's a rhythmic element based on on groups of seven and groups of five, like the title. And you hear this happen in the group passed around in sort of a pointillistic manner, like you were looking at a painting where it was painted with little dots, and then you hear it's all be taken over by the horn at the end, where she's doing all of the pointillistic stuff just with changing her color by moving her hand in and out of the bell. It's a really neat effect, and as the pointillistic stuff gives way to the other instruments playing more melodically over it, you hear the theme sort of develop in the lower brass at the end. And the title 7-5 refers not only to the rhythmic elements of the piece, but also harmonic Harmonic elements, elements, right? Yes. It's built on uh, sevenths and fifths, those intervals. And so there's a lot of tying it into John and the 75th birthday and sevenths and fifths and rhythmic things. And it was cool to see this piece come together in that respect. And I think what's great about, at least for us, and that we're commissioning these composers is that we have this opportunity to work with them. If we were playing a Mozart, you know, well, he didn't write brass quintets because they weren't around. But, you know, we can't really go back and ask him to change something where with Stephen, the collaboration with the composers is so exciting. And I think for me, something that was also really exciting about that piece is a lot of groups play arrangements of other people's music. That piece has actually, since we premiered, it has turned into a wind ensemble piece. And so now wind bands are stealing from our brass quintet repertoire, along with Stacey Garrup's uh, Helios is now a wind band piece as well. And so I feel like some pride that we're influencing other genres of music now by the pieces that we've commissioned. And one more note, this piece, like a number of pieces on the program, started as a concert tribute to Corigliano. Let's listen now to a selection from an album tribute to John Corigliano by one of his students, Stephen Bryant, and this is the title cut of the album called 7-5, performed for us by the Gaudete Brass Quintet, and I'll give you their names because one of the players actually commissioned this piece, as we just heard, Bill Bax, Tresser, Trumpet, Ryan Barron, Trumpet, Julia Filson, Horn, who's got that difficult part, Paul Von Hoff, Trombone, and Scott Teggy, Tuba. This is 7-5 by Stephen Bryant. Thank you. 
Well, that was a performance of 7-5 by Stephen Bryant, and it's from a new album on Sadie Records called 7-5, The John Corigliano Effect. And this is an album put together as a tribute to John that contains three compositions by Corigliano and the rest by some of his students. And it's a wonderful concept for an album, The John Corigliano Effect. Now, why Corigliano? One reason I know is he was the first composer in residence of the Chicago Symphony. So he does have a pretty important connection to the city. So I think when the project started, it was that sort of initial connection. He had spent, I think, in the late 80s, uh, he was the composer in residence at the Chicago Symphony and made connections with so many groups and organizations here. And so it made a lot of sense when we wanted to have this festival for him to bring him home. And even we think about as the new music scene here in Chicago has starts to grow and you really become a really strong community as evident by the Ear Taxi Festival that happened in the fall. We could maybe trace some of those roots back to John being the first composer in residence at the CSO. Living in Chicago, the Chicago Symphony is such a staple foundation organization and they started this program and John wrote his first symphony for the Chicago Symphony which brought a lot of attention, I think a Grammy. I think it was a way to bring him back home to celebrate this birthday even though he makes his home in New York City. Other connections, uh, Corigliano also wrote the piece that opened Millennium Park, Midsummer Fanfare, for the Grand right. Park Orchestra, which is recorded on CD. Yep. And he's also connected to CD by an entire album of his solo and duo piano music with pianists Ursula Oppens and Jerome Lowenthal. And our next composition is by another student of Corigliano, Jeremy Howard Beck, maybe one of the youngest uh, composers on the album. He's just in his uh, early 30s. Tell us a bit about Roar, and I have to say this is my personal favorite cut from the album. Excellent. Well, Jeremy, when he sat down with us, he was telling us about why he wrote a piece called Roar and what he was trying to achieve. He was talking about when he used to have lessons with Corleano, John would always be asking him, make your ideas very clear. Pick one idea and make it very, very, very clear to your audience. And I guess Jeremy would bring in pieces with multiple things he was trying to say all at once and it would be confusing. And so when he said, I'm going to write this piece for my teacher's birthday, I'm going to just do what he said for once. I'm going to make it very, very, very clear. This piece is about a roar. It's this gesture. You could view the whole piece as a, as a single roar or look at smaller roar gestures that happen and they build on each other. But it's definitely this idea that he was trying to make the piece that he was inspired to make by the level of composition lessons that he had. In the press release, you talk about instruments roaring at low dynamics. How do you do a pianissimo roar? <laughs> That's a great question because usually you think you have to push the instrument to its limit. But with brass, we have a couple of techniques. One of the ones that Jeremy uses is a flutter tongue. So if you roll your R's through a brass instrument, you disturb the sound in a way that becomes aggressive. And there are also different kinds of mutes, different extreme range things. At one point, the trombone is down in the very, very bottom of the range. Whenever you take something on an instrument and you push it to a level beyond where it wants to go, even besides volume, but you're talking about range or articulation, you're producing this sort of high energy effect. And to hear that at a very soft volume, especially from a brass instrument, is really kind of a cool thing. Well, let's hear a piece where the student actually was paying attention to what his teacher advised him. This is called Roar. Can it perform for us from a brand new album on Sadie Records called 7-5, The John Corigliano Effect, Roar by Jeremy Howard Beck.
performance of Roar, a composition by Jeremy Howard Beck. He's a student or was a student of John Curigliano, and we heard it from an album on Sadie Records called 7-5, The John Curigliano Effect, an album to celebrate the 75th birthday of John Curigliano. And that was performed by the Gaudete Brass Quintet. The members are Bill Beck's Tresser Trumpet, Ryan Berndt Trumpet, Julia Filson Horn, Paul Von Hoff Trombone, and Scott Teggy Tuba, and both Paul and Scott are with us great piece and a wonderful performance. You know, it was really exciting when we were actually working on that piece. And then when we premiered all of these at Roosevelt University, we were able to fly all the composers in. And so we were able to spend time working with them on their pieces, making some fine detail changes. But Jeremy, as you just heard, the piece kind of grows throughout the whole time. And he was describing a little bit as well about how he was taking the train into Manhattan every day for work. And it was during those storms that happened and that there was like a lot of damage in New York City and things just kept getting noisier and noisier. As he was telling us this, it was like, oh, this you can really feel that that angst, that anxiety as it grows. I remember one thing from a rehearsal is we were going through one section in the middle, kind of where things drop out and all of a sudden you feel this march pulse. And he's like, oh, I wanted this to be like a Sousa march from hell <laughs> in a feeling right there. And we're, I was like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can do that really well. So I think it's just a really exciting piece. And also for the quintet, what we found about him and the next piece you're going to hear by Conrad Winslow is we're looking for new voices for the brass quintet. And we're looking for new composers to write for us. And something that we feel really strongly about is trying to go after younger composers who are starting their careers in music and giving them an opportunity to explore what a brass quintet can do in hopes that over their career, they can fall in love with brass music and be able to explore that and exercise that muscle a little bit and build a repertoire. And this raises the larger point that, as you said, you've had a chance to work with the composers on these pieces, and this is a rare opportunity to uh, commission a piece, premiere the piece, and then sit down with the composer and ask questions, and the heck did you mean by this sort of question? Right, right. (laughs) Or, that's not doable. (laughs) Well, I was just going to ask, have you ever said to the composer, "Uh uh-uh, and they've made a change? Oh, sure. Of course. One of my favorite stories was actually on our other album, the Rob Deemer piece. Rob's Brass Quintet is quite exciting, and we got it in installments. So the first movement came, and we read it, and it was called Bell, and it was based on bell tones. And we're like, this is great. The second movement came, and it was called Mute, and it was sort of different colors of sound. And the third movement came, and it was called Deep Fry Funk. It's called Slide. Oh, it's called Slide, but the tempo markings. The tempo marking is Deep Fry Funk. Deep Fried Funk. The first tuba part was da-da-da-da-da. 
da, 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 for the entire piece. I make this joke all the time. I'll take one for the team. I'm the tuba player. It's okay. <laughs> but it just really wasn't working. And so we asked Rob to rewrite the tuba part. And he gave a big old, like, this is what you get for complaining about your thing. Because the, the new version opened up with this really ridiculous tuba cadenza. So <laughs> this is what you get. But as we've told composers, if we have a piece that we love and that works really well for us, we'll play it everywhere and we'll take it on tour and we'll share it with our audiences. And if there's a piece that doesn't quite fit us or there's things that are really challenging, it's hard and doable, yes, hard and not doable, that'll make us look bad, that'll make your piece look bad. Unless you make some changes, it'll probably be, we'll premiere it and then it'll go into the bottom of the closet and never see light of day and not be on a fantastic album like this. Well, let's turn now to another selection from this album featuring the music by John Curigliano and music by his students. Uh, this is a piece by Conrad Winslow, and it has the intriguing title, The Record of a Lost Tribe. We're going to hear the third movement entitled Ceremonies, The Record of a Lost Tribe. Where does this title come from? His music is very otherworldly. It's probably the most adventurous piece on the album in terms of listening. You have to approach it from a very imaginative place. With the words, record of a lost tribe, you're already approaching it from the right mindset. You're thinking something grand, something epic, something mythic, something that's going to take you away from your everyday ideas and conceptions about what you might be about to hear. And that, I think, is a great way to approach this piece. Again, Scott mentioned earlier, we're looking for people that can take what brass can do and blow your mind with how different these things can sound. And Conrad really does that. This doesn't sound like anything else. You will question how many instruments are playing here, what instruments are playing what parts. It doesn't always fit together within the conventions. It's one of the exciting things about hearing some new music like this and getting to play it. But this ceremonies piece, you get the sense of you hear high trumpet, almost like a echo or a distant fanfare that maybe happened or you're standing in a place where something big happened and you're experiencing the feeling of it, but you're not witnessing it at the moment. It's this sort of numinous awe as opposed to something that you're feeling right then and there. Interesting opening line in the notes about Conrad Winslow. Raised in Homer, Alaska, Conrad Winslow, born in 1985, began making things from scratch by watching his parents Build a log cabin in the woods. So let's listen to the third movement of The Record of a Lost Tribe by Conrad Winslow. It's called Ceremonies, and it's performed for us on this new CD album entitled 7-5, The John Corigliano Effect.
And that was a performance of Ceremonies. It's the third movement of a three-movement piece by Conrad Winslow called The Record of a Lost Tribe, and it's contained on this new CD recording. Winslow was a student of John Corigliano, and this album, 7-5, The John Corigliano Effect, contains music by Corigliano and music by his students. And it was performed for us by the Gaudete Brass and we have two members with us, Scott Teggy Tuba and Paul von Hoff Trombone. Well, gentlemen, with one selection left, and this is actually by John Corigliano. This is a piece called Fanfares to Music. Tell us about it. In this whole project, we tried to get John to write something for just Brass Quintet, but this Fanfares to Music was a really exciting piece to bring to life. So it's for Double Brass Quintet. We were trying to figure out who we wanted to collaborate with. Needing five extra players for this, six extra players, we got former teachers, friends of ours who are all full-time musicians to be a part of this project, a way for us to collaborate with people we enjoy making music with. This piece is written for antiphonal brass. So we were set up on stage in the recording you'll hear us front center, and we play this beautiful song the whole time. And then you'll hear coming from around you are these fanfares, and that's from the offstage brass. And what was really cool in the process of recording this piece was working with Bill and Judy, uh, the engineer and the producer, about how to capture that in Wentz Hall, experimenting with, do we put them outside? Do we put them in the choir loft? And so we ended up having them in the choir loft above us. We think it's a really exciting piece and something that should be played more often just to celebrate great brass writing and to celebrate John. So this is a double quintet plus one. Yeah. Actually, 11 players with three players. horns, right? Yeah, and it's uh, one of actually three Corigliano pieces on the album. The other two, one is an arrangement of his very popular gazebo dances by Chicago arranger and conductor Cliff Colnutt. And the other pure Corigliano piece is also an antiphonal piece. In fact, it's called Antiphon. How did your approach to the two antiphonal pieces differ, if at all? The antiphon, we actually moved everyone around on stage again, and Bill was smiling because, of course, that's a lot of work for him, moving all the microphones and everything like that. The antiphon is two equal quintets that were spaced on right and left of the stage, rather than the fanfares to music, which was really an onstage group, which we played, and then offstage fanfare parts. And so we really wanted that to be different between the two pieces. The antiphon also calls for slightly different scoring. I play bass trombone on this one. The texture's a little bit richer and thicker and more chorale-like and less about the individual instruments and more about the large sounds that you get and experiencing them from coming at you from two different sides. Well, let's tell our listeners to this podcast, the personnel, the 11 players, uh, five of the members of Gaudete, Bill Baxtresser, trumpet, Ryan Barrett, trumpet, Paul Castlehorn, 
Paul Von Hoff Trombone and Scott Teggy Tuba, and they have added to it Brian Goodwin Horn, Anna Jacobs Horn, Justin Stamps Trumpet, Mark Howarth Trumpet, Katie Hickey Trombone, and Charlie Shookett Tuba. And this is a performance of Fanfares to Music by John Carugliano.
Fanfares to Music by John Curigliano, performed by 11 very wonderful players. And this is from an album called 7-5, the John Curigliano Effect, music by Curigliano. We just heard one of his pieces and compositions by some of his students. And I should have mentioned, and I will mention right now, that every recording on this album is a world premiere recording, except for Entrance, the very first piece that we heard. So this is a wonderful performance, and I want to thank uh, the two members of the Godete Brass who are with us today, Scott Teggy Tuba and Paul von Hoff Trombone. Gentlemen, thank you very much, and tell me, what's next for Godete? What's in your future? The most exciting thing is Stacey Garup just delivered a fifth movement to a piece she's been writing for us for a while now called Legends of Olympus. Each movement is based on a different Greek god or goddess, so we have Helios and Aphrodite and Hermes and Apollo, and we got Dionysus in the mail just this week. So we're going to be getting together and working on that, and we're super thrilled. That's going to be one of the longer works for Brass Quintet that is in existence, and we think it will be a really phenomenally strong concert anchor on the level of what a Beethoven large-form string quartet would be for a string quartet. So that's really exciting. And we've got some really interesting educational programming to do for younger people. We've got a little narrative work where the audience, in this case a classroom of third graders, can join us in playing along with us on some very primitive brass instruments that we make from funnels and hoses and things that they can play with us. Those things are in the very immediate future. And then we have a couple of residencies at a couple colleges. The group has been in residence at University of Wisconsin Parkside doing projects over the last year and a half. We're also in residence at the Chicago College of Performing Arts, Roosevelt University, where we do projects there. I personally recently joined the faculty at Northern Illinois University out in DeKalb, and it was so great that I had the opportunity to set up a residency for the Bring the Quintet out there. And so that's always something special for me when my students can see why my schedule sucks so much. When they see, oh, this is what you do when you're out of town and when you have rehearsals and we have to juggle things. And so we're going to do a concerto with their wind ensemble, and then we're going to talk uh, business. We're going to talk entrepreneurship with the students and then give a recital. And so it'll be great to give back to the college students, help them show that it is possible to have a career in music. Exciting stuff, and we wish you the best of luck in Thank everything, you. including this new album called 7-5, The John Curigliano Effect, new on Sadie Records, and you're listening to a podcast about Sadie Records. Jim, any closing thoughts, comments, observations? Just that this album represents really what Sadie is all about, a Chicago ensemble going out and commissioning new works, so it's almost all world premieres and also a program that works so well together with one overarching theme that really ties it together. And so you've got both great variety, but also a great coherence to the album. In these days when people can just pick and choose single tracks to listen to on iTunes or Spotify, it makes it really an album worth hearing from start to finish. And make sure you hear the album. You can purchase it online by going to sadierecords.org. That's C-E-D-I-L-L-E, records.org. You can also get it on iTunes and lots of other places, right, Jim? Absolutely. Thank you very much. I'm Steve Robinson. You've been listening to a podcast featuring a new album on Sadie called 7-5, The John Curigliano Effect. Sadie Records is a nonprofit recording label dedicated to producing classical recordings of the highest quality featuring outstanding musicians from Chicago. Sales of CDs and downloads cover less than 20% of our expenses, 
so we rely on your charitable contributions to fulfill our mission. Please visit sadierecords.org, that's C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org, for more information on how you can support Chicago artists through Sadie.